am I Reister or am I wrong? With my main man, Ralph Amsden. Um, thank you guys for listening to the program. So college football players, they wanted out of this season. This was a difficult season for them. And it's culminating in the national championship today. Um, the NFL teams that have not practiced have won football games. So what is the need for practice? What is the need for the offseason? Eric Bieniemy may be going to the Eagles. It is absolutely time for the Pittsburgh Steelers to move on from Ben Roethlisberger. Taylor Heineke had a great story, but he's pro-Trump. So do we still like him? Um, and Trump gets deplatformed. Am I right, sir, or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Fire on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And this is where the truth comes to live. Um, make sure you check your feelings at the door. No BS is allowed because we keep it 100. Uh, if you guys want to get a, a hold of us, shoot an email. I'm mad. I M M A D at unafraidshow.com. Or hit us up on Twitter, him at Ralph Amsden, me at George Reister. And also make sure that you download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and share it with a friend. Tell a friend about it and listen to me as well on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And you can listen to us as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast and me on Fox Sports Radio Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. So, hell of a weekend, Ralph. How was your weekend? It was good. I mean, nothing really feels like a weekday or a weekend right now. I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that. But um, I, got, I got a couple of things for you. Thing number one, and this is partially your fault, but I got this in the mail. It is the uh, Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Catalog. Uh, How's that my fault? just as excited. Well, because I was already into gardening a little bit, and then you just pushed it over the edge trying to get me to buy a lettuce grow, and now it's just it's, it's enveloped my entire life. And I have to tell you, when this seed catalog came in the mail, I was, I'm 36 years old. I was ex- as excited as when I was 13 and the new East Bay would come. Like, <laughs> that's the level that we have reached for a list of heirloom seeds that I'm probably going to be able to get to sprout and then immediately kill. So uh, <laughs> that's me, dude. We've done all this damn gardening, and then all we end up doing is killing plants. Yeah, yeah. So that that's where I'm at. The other other thing I'm excited about is I think the the Phoenix Suns are, are going for win number eight tonight. And you had actually oh, texted me this weekend and said, "What's going on with the Suns? Are they for real?" I try to tell you, like they're not even firing on all cylinders yet. It's all Mikhail Bridges, Aiton, Paul. Booker, they're not like in it yet. And you told me what, George? I'm not watching the Phoenix Suns. I watched them a little bit when they play against the when they played against the Clippers because that's a notable team for them to play against. But the Clipper, but the Phoenix Suns, let, let me be make this clear, Ralph. The Phoenix Suns have not earned the right to be watched on primetime television. They have not. They've been sorry for so long. How, how can you expect me to devote my time and be like, oh, yeah, the Phoenix Suns are coming on. Let me watch this. Nobody says that except for Phoenix Suns fans. Nobody. <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm just I, saying I, you're, I, you're I missing out. 
I get that they're seven and three. They're second place in the uh, Western Conference right now, but they haven't earned it. They, they, in, in people's minds, they can literally go. They've gone seven and three. They could go two and fifteen over the next seventeen games, and nobody would think anything different. They'd be like, "Oh, okay, it's the Suns." Figures. They 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 just got got hot like they were in the bubble. So what what'd you do this weekend? Were were you uh, watching Nickelodeon? Uh, like me, or, or or did you flip over to the Boogie Cousins Markeith Morris fight? I was watching the NFL playoff games, but I wasn't watching it on Nickelodeon. And Come on, man! I, I I meant to look, but I, I'm a cord cutter. So when it comes to finding shows that I channels that I don't normally watch, like I don't normally watch Nickelodeon, I haven't watched Nickelodeon since it was like Nick at Night. So do wait, do they still have Nick at Night? Nick at Night's its own channel. Were you talking about Snick? Saturday Night Nickelodeon? Bro, how am I supposed to know the difference? Like, didn't Nickelodeon used to turn into, like, I Love Lucy and, and night, all yeah. of that at night? Yeah, but, like, because we're old, the Nick at Night stuff is, like, Fresh Prince and stuff like that now. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm, like, that's the last time I really watched Nickelodeon because my kids don't watch Nickelodeon. Like the, the the baby's too young to watch it, and the older kids actually no no that's a lie. My oldest my youngest daughter does watch Nickelodeon, but she watches it streaming on an app. So I would have had to find it. I would have had to ask her to figure out so I could watch the broadcast. But you had though the the NFL teams. So everybody was concerned. We even talked about it on here about the Browns having no practice. And they still won a playoff game with no practice. And I'm sitting here saying, okay, the Browns did it. The Steelers won games during the regular season. So did the Titans, the the Ravens. Why the hell are coaches, like, I think that the pandemic has exposed that practice is not as necessary as you think it is. I think you're right. I think think getting your script in is probably pretty important. To just for muscle memory. Um, but I think you're right, especially in the case of the Browns when they're playing the team that they just played. And more than anything, they probably needed rest. You know, you're going into week 17 um, it, from a very physical division in which three teams made the playoffs. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think it was very hurtful for them. I'm not sure if we're reaching the, the point at which you can say, oh, this is a rule. You have all these teams that had success coming off a week of rest, then that means that, um, that that's something that we should chalk up as something that people should do. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it's something to, it was something that you and I talked about before it even happened as a possible advantage for the Browns. So, I mean, you're the, you're the one that played, man. You tell me, what do you think? Well, okay, so for, so for me, Practice is important. However, I think the most important thing is the detailed game plan. So I think that the practice in preseason, all of that is very crucial for you gelling, getting timing down, all of that. But as the season goes on, like practice shouldn't be two and a half hours in a day. Like you should spend way more time on your detailed meeting. And I think that coaches are learning that and that the ones who are going to be successful are the ones that can do that going forward because the NFLPA has already said that they don't want practice anymore. They're, they're like, this is pointless. We've proven that we can put out a good product. 
player. I mean, look, play. It hasn't caused more drop balls. It hasn't caused more offsides, more holding. It hasn't caused any of that. The games have been extraordinarily entertaining. So why would you go back to just normal business when players are going to say, coach, why the hell are we practicing so much? We did this last year and we were successful. So why would we go back to just doing the status to the status quo just because that's how we've always done it? That don't work. I mean, it's like it, it it's like, Ralph, if, if you told your kids, right, that 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 they didn't need to that they needed to study for 50 hours a week and all of this stuff the way they could get straight A's but then you guys took a trip and you left the books and all of that stuff and then they got straight A's how hard would it be to then go back and tell them that they need to study 50 hours a week yeah I think that you'd be telling them you you want to be a process oriented person I think as a parent you'd be in life lesson territory there but i get what you're saying i mean i'm somebody who did no um studying no homework and just i'm i'm an uh, audio learner and so if i sat for the lecture and it was in the lecture then i was going to get a good grade that type of stuff didn't catch up to me for a very long time like it created plenty of issues later in life when i went in college There'd be stuff in the book, stuff from the lecture, and stuff that you'd have to do on your own that would all be part of the test. Then I then I started getting exposed. But if you could just show up, listen, and then perform, I was good to go. Um, I th- but I think it's different for everybody. So what would you think about something like this? Allowing teams to put maybe 10, 20 more players than they typically do on futures contracts and opening up maybe uh, another month of OTAs to get people familiar with a playbook. And then for veterans, anybody over year four or something like that, making a lot of that stuff, just not even required at all. So that you have people to step in um, if, if something like that comes up, but you cut down on practice during Mm -hmm. the week because so for these people that you sign in the middle of the season, they don't, they need that practice time. Don't they need a little bit of that to get up to speed? Yes. See now, see now that is where the, the gotcha gotcha is, but I'm not saying that you shouldn't practice. I just think that sometimes coaches, they get into this idea of, you know, work, 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 work. I mean, Bruce Arians is a guy who tells his coaches, listen, you either need to take your kids to school or pick them up from school. Like that, that this job is important, but there's plenty of time. Like you shouldn't be there. Like to be a successful football coach, you don't need to be there at four o'clock in the morning all the way till 11 o'clock at night. Like there, there comes a, no matter what you're doing there, it's like the law of diminishing returns at some point in time, like there's a proper amount of work. And then once you pass that threshold, you're actually getting worse. (laughs) You're, you're actually getting much less out of the work that you're actually doing. So I think that especially if you have like a certain amount of mileage that you, that you tap out at that, you know, you don't want practice. I players getting hurt in practice. My least favorite thing ever, you know, I, yeah. You want it to be for something, you know, but Bruce Arians, you talk about that. And I think that's a really important perspective to have from a coaching level. You can't forget that Bruce Bar- Arians is also the dude who ran John Brown out of town in Arizona because he was always dealing with sickle cell. So these coaches sometimes have a double standard as far as looking at injuries or um, illness as a character issue, which I think 
is important to transition us into our, our next topic because a lot of college players wanted to opt out this season for some of these issues and knew that they probably weren't going to be able to opt out because coaches look at that whole thing of your best ability being availability. And some of these guys that opted out for their own health reasons or family health reasons are now in the transfer portal because they weren't welcomed back with open arms. Yeah, and the, the NCAA said, oh, well, it won't affect your standing. Yeah, but teams know what's up. I mean, players know yeah. what's up, and the coaches make it abundantly clear, like, well, if you opt out, you're not with us. I mean, even the Utah State coach, with Gary Anderson, who got fired, jerk, uh, was, I mean, he patently just came out and said it, which was outrageous. Like, like you just go say this? Like, like, you know they're watching and taping, right? No, it was like, no, I'm, I, I don't care. Honey, honey badger don't give a, honey badger don't give a shit. It's, right. It's just, I, and I look at the players, right, that in this situation, because there's a lot of people who are upset. They're like, well, the season finished. Nobody died. There, no player was seriously hospitalized, even though there were some that were hospitalized. Everything is fine. And that's not the way I see it because there was a cost. Some of those costs are known immediately and some of them are known long term because we don't know the long term health effects of the coronavirus. Whether you uh, think six months from now, nine months from now, two years from now, we don't know those yet. But the other thing is there was a cost because these players had to sacrifice time with their family, their friends, be isolated, all this. And and that that's fine because they wanted to play. But the issue is, is that they did it to protect everybody else's money that they weren't getting paid for. That's my entire issue with this season It's just because it highlighted and magnified it. The disparity in college football. And the the system and how broken that this system is. The system's broken. You have players who are generating the revenue, not participating in that revenue. And then people will tell you, oh, well, Ralph, you 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 know they get a free education. It's not free if you're working for it. And their value outweighs what the scholarship is. So I, I for one... It, it just highlighted the hypocrisy and the need for name, image, and likeness and to just right the wrong that is college, that is amateur athletics because it's a sham because it's a billion-dollar business for everybody else except the players. So there's this uh, article that came out in The Guardian. It's an op-ed, and it had multiple authors, Nathan Kalman-Lamb, Derek Silva, and Johanna Mellis, titled, A Ruthlessly Exploitative College Football Season Finally Draws to a Close. And uh, the national championship is tonight, and they brought up something that I thought was uh, very interesting that pretty much everybody who pays attention to college football has to be painfully aware of. And that's that Justin Fields took a nasty hit, gave him a, a rib injury, and Ryan Day, the, the head coach of Ohio State, in his halftime interview said he's going to play for 30 more minutes. Field didn't get an x-ray at halftime, um, but he did get multiple shots to get him through the game. And when Ohio State beat Clemson to go to the national championship to face Alabama, Ryan Day got a $100,000 bonus. Um, and I think that, that that right there highlights a little bit of He had of to play, Ralph. He about. must play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. that's so and, lame and that, right yeah 
and I don't, yeah, I definitely don't know how I feel about that. If now, if Justin Fields wants to play, um, cause I think we always get into this territory where, where, you know, some people say that they're looking out for the athlete and at the same time, they, they don't take into account if an athlete tells you that they like this system and they want to play in this system and you deny them the ability to play in this system and you tell them that they're ignorant of their own feelings, then you're not actually on the side of all of the players, right? So if Justin Fields got hurt and he wanted to go out there and do what he did, great. But if there was sort of a pressure built up to be on the biggest stage ever and all your teammates looking to you and your coaches looking to you and everybody expects you to say yes and you go out there for free and some permanent damage is incurred um, in in the uh, midst of getting your coach a $100,000 bonus, there's no way to dice that up except for that it's kind of gross. Like the whole thing's kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah, your coach is getting paid, and he was like, yo, he's got to get out there for 30 30 more minutes. And I have been that player because you trust the the training staff, you trust the doctors, and there's no informed consent a lot of times because there is a lot of pressure to play, and you do want to play. You're like, yo, fix me up, get me out there as fast as I can. But, I mean, we've seen Chris Sims play with a spleen, almost a fractured – a broken spleen, a, a ruptured spleen, almost die. So the idea that these college players have no voice is criminal to me. That you wouldn't, that Justin Fields would not be told what his diagnosis is and say, yo, here's what can happen. Because he's looking at being a first-round draft pick. So imagine if, yeah. he, if, if he had a Chris Sims situation, a, a messed up his spleen and was out for like a year. And then that's going to affect his money. That's the crazy part about it is that the Ryan Day gets the hundred thousand dollar bonus, and then if he wins today, he's probably going to get another two fifty or five hundred thousand dollars. And it's just like, oh, oh, but uh, and and all he's going to give Justin Fields is a thank you. All he's going to give uh, Chris Olave is a thank. Thanks, man. I love you. I love you. Hey, 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 coach, can I can I get a grad assistant job? Oh, man, we're full this year. You know, that's the best that you're going to yeah. get from And Yeah, I mean, I got I got a, a player that I've followed for a long time. His name's Garrett Rand. He's a defensive lineman um, out from out here in Arizona. He went out to the Big Ten country uh, in Wisconsin and battled injury after injury. He played five years, and over the course of that five years, he started 30 games. And this was a kid that could bench press 500 pounds as a junior in high school. And he medically retired instead of coming back for a sixth year, which the NCAA would have allowed him to do or declaring for the NFL draft. He called it good. Um, I guarantee you that he's not going to see a dime from any of the coaches or assistant coaches that uh, that had the pleasure of of coaching him as part of that Wisconsin defense. I don't see Jim Leonard writing him a check for $150,000, $250,000 because he's not going to be able to be a late-round pick and at least collect that signing bonus because of the injuries that he incurred at the collegiate level. I'm not saying that Jim Leonard is a, a bad guy. I'm not saying that University of Wisconsin is bad for any of this. I'm saying that's the system that we exist in now, that Garrett Rand, over his five years at Wisconsin, especially with how crazy those fans are at Madison, might have been able to cash in on, on his name, image, and likeness while he's out there. Um, and instead he's going to leave with a college degree and several injuries that could probably follow him around for the rest of his life that aren't allowing him to pursue, uh, the NFL professionally. 
And, yep. you know, that that type of stuff, it, that's a dime a dozen story, George. I just named one player. Well, yeah, and people, when they look at the name, image, and likeness, they just assume that it's just players getting endorsements. No, it's just the ability to, if they wanted to do a podcast like we're doing right now, they can't make yeah. money off of it. If they want to do a YouTube right. channel, they can't make money off it. That is a that part is criminal because that's not coming out of the school's pocketbook. That's coming from a whole different pot. Um, but uh, on to the uh, the uh, next thing though. So Ben Roethlisberger, we saw him play last night, and he threw for five hundred yards. Oh, everybody's like, oh, man. In the, in the first half, everybody would say, oh, ben, ben Roethlisberger's done. He's toast. He needs to go. And I was one of those people. And truthfully, I still believe that Ben Roethlisberger needs to go. If I'm Pittsburgh, I'm moving on from Ben Roethlisberger. Because if you look at that game, I understand that he threw for 501 yards on 68 pass attempts. But... He's the reason why they were in that situation. He threw four interceptions. And part of that is because he's a dinosaur. Him, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, um, and Phillip Rivers. Once those four non-mobile quarterbacks are gone from the league, they're done for good. If you are a quarterback that cannot escape the pocket, you are finished. You guys are dinosaurs. There's no place for you in the NFL anymore. The the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl if Patrick Mahomes can't get out of the pocket away from the 49ers rush. This is the way of the world now. And the idea of anything else is absolutely broken, Ralph. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, because my, I mean my question for you would be this because you when you say um, the Steelers should find a way to move on because they're going to take a $41 million cap hit over this guy next year. When you say the Steelers f- should find a way to move on, what I hear in my mind isn't Ben Roethlisberger is done because I think he showed last night that you know he, there, there's a lot of positives to go along with yeah. those negatives. Um, however, would you rather be the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, even though they started the season 11-0, would you rather be the Pittsburgh Steelers headed into this offseason or the Los Angeles Chargers headed into this offseason. The because Chargers. Because one team moved on. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, one and, team and, moved and the Steelers on have like 18 free agents. Years. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and so, they have like 18 free agents. So, yeah. Like, they, this team is not going to be great next year. And then Ben Roethlisberger forces them to be in the shotgun all the time because he can't move anymore. They can't run, yeah, and so, run the football. One of the things that was pointed out to me, um, because I was I was complaining a, a little bit uh, earlier, a couple of weeks ago, just about the fact that you know everything that the Arizona Cardinals do has to be built around the fact that they have a five foot nine quarterback, and he is for he, I think he was third in batted balls as a rookie, and he was first by a long shot in batted balls in his sophomore season. And somebody reached out to me and pointed out that well, number two is Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, and so he doesn't so he it doesn't matter if you're tall or short. And I said, the reason that number two is Ben Roethlisberger is because he can't step into windows fast enough. It has nothing to do with his height. It has everything to do with his mobility at this point in his career. And there is absolutely no shame in the idea that somebody has had 17 years in the NFL and their body has taken all of that punishment, never really being super mobile in the first place. 
And on top of that, he went through a car windshield once. So, like, he, <laughs> he has physically done to this point what few men on Earth could do. But when you're talking about a franchise looking into the future, even a franchise that is as ingrained with Ben Roethlisberger's name and is as ingrained with the stability of their head coach and everything like that, they need to find a way to, to move forward. So I don't think that you're wrong here, but I do think he has gas left in the tank. Oh, I do, I, I do too. Cause and we saw it with uh, Philip rivers this last year, there's still gas in, in the tank, but if I'm uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm like, eh, yeah, he's still got gas in the tank. It's just not in my tank any, anymore because we need to figure out how we're going to look forward to the future. Cause he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback now. He's a playoff quarterback. So is Philip Philip Rivers. Colts fans all excited. We got it. We got it. This is our year. Won 11 games. Yeah, first round exit. Sorry. Same thing with the Steelers. Um, another guy who impressed this week, though. Another guy who impressed this week was Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke for the Washington football team. Congratulations. You had a Minshew mania day. You had Jeremy Lin wrapped into, wrapped into one football game. Everybody's cheering for you. You fought your ass off. You got hurt. You came back. And then we find out that, that he's uh, pro-Trump. So and people are like, ah, I'm off of him now. I'm off of him now. Forget Taylor Heineke. How do you, what do you think about yeah. that? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't care for it. Um, and I can't imagine that you, that you're in that camp either. I mean, I think we're both people that repeatedly made fun of everybody who said they're never going to watch the NBA again. Oh God. Because the yes. Players spoke out on social justice or the people who said that they were going to bail on the NFL forever because of the people who supported Colin Kaepernick and Colin Kaepernick. And so why do you, it, when, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Why do you say that Ralph? What do you mean? Say, say his name again, please. Colin Kaepernick. It is not Kaepernick. It's Kaepernick. All right. All right, Colin Kaepernick. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Just because you, I, I forgot, it's because you cape for him all the time. That, that's why I have to <laughs> switch around the pronunciation in my head. No, you're right. Um, but I, I think that you and I both spent enough time making fun of people who said that they're out on somebody or something because of the political beliefs attached to him to not also kind of make fun of people who hate Tom Brady hate Drew Brees, and now hate Taylor Heineke, who, if we're being honest, his touchdown pass and his touchdown run, maybe one of the top 10 prettiest throws I've seen this year, and definitely one of the best quarterback scrambles for a touchdown I've seen all year and would maybe be in contention for the top spot had Lamar Jackson not exhibited an otherworldly level of speed on a 48-yard touchdown run. Um this weekend as well. So, uh, so do you think he, that, that, that people think, are going to genuinely say, all right, I'm not supporting this dude. I don't want him as my, as my quarterback because of, because he likes Trump tweets and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the weird place that we have, we've, we've reached in all this. And Tory Smith, even if I'm, if I'm uh, looking at this correctly, Tory Smith tweeted, Taylor Heineke doesn't support Trump. He was ignorant as hell when it came to understanding the protests and riots and why everything was happening. His perspective was trash. Like a lot of people I know personally, I actually had a conversation with him about it on the phone. And so, um, 
I mean, pe- people were quick. Pe- people were quick to pull the trigger on on stuff like this. And then social media is weird. You you can just kind of put whatever you want out there. But I did think that it was interesting um, that there were a lot of people. Um, the Avery, the the quarterback coach, the black quarterback coach, uh, who is sort of developed into a uh, a, a common on all things NFL uh, and something social justice. He just flat out said, I do not excuse ignorance in adults. If you are an adult, you have no excuse to be ignorant on a topic. And, and for me, yes, I think you do because like you that, don't know stuff like there's stuff you don't know. Right. And, and so uh, the, not allowing for grace, not allowing for education, not allowing for conversation and just getting to the point where you say, uh, anybody who thinks a certain way, I'm writing them off for good. Um, I don't like that because then you just get to the point where there's no way back for anybody. And I'm not trying to protect people who who ardently supported some of the very dangerous ideas that came out of this administration and before the game show celebrity host's mouth and Twitter account prior to the last four years. I don't think there's any defense of that. But if you if you get into a situation where somebody speaks and they don't have all the information on the topic, then you give them the information on the topic and they're willing to listen and they change their mind. Of course, of course, you like that's the society that I would love to be part of where you can actually talk with somebody about how they feel and about how you feel. You can both bring evidence to the table and hopefully somebody's mind can get changed. Um, And so I don't know. I, I thought it was weird. Uh, but at the same time, this is not a great weekend for somebody to uh, to become a celebrity. And then, uh, have you ever heard the term milkshake duck? No. What the hell is a so milkshake Taylor, duck? Okay, so milkshake duck is an internet uh, meme. And I'm going to um, have to look up the exact specifics of it. But somebody, uh, somebody tweeted a few years back that, um, you know, I want to introduce you to the wonderful uh, milkshake duck, the duck that drinks milkshakes, and then it becomes an internet phenomenon. And then immediately, we regret to inform you that milkshake duck was a white supremacist. Like, that, so that's the thing in our society that has happened over and over and over again. You learn about something, you get excited about something, then you discover that something has a past, and you throw it away. So Taylor Heineke was this weekend's milkshake duck. Everybody well, got excited about him. Everybody found out something they didn't like, and they threw him away. Okay, here's here's the truth is that people can say whatever it is that they want to, but sports is the great equalizer in a lot of these in a lot of these things in in politics. Sometimes it it gets a little more tricky because people are more passionate about that than it seems than DUIs, abuse, any of that. They're they're more passionate about politics, though. That's where we draw the line. But um, here. But here's the here's the truth. I look at this issue similarly to how um, when people were talking about gay NFL players and all of that, and they were like, I don't want gay guys in the locker room. It'll all of this. Here's the truth is that NFL players. Yeah. Yes, there are some just like the rest of the society that are like, I don't want this guy in my locker room. But if, if he's a baller. And helps you make money, helps you win games, everybody will be okay. Nobody, I mean, that's just the uh, truth. If Colin Kaepernick, if it were Patrick Mahomes that did what Colin Kaepernick did, he would still have a job right now. The only difference is that Pat, that 
that Colin Kaepernick, even though he was still a a middling NFL starting quarterback, he had just played on one of the worst rosters of all time. He threw 16 touchdown passes and four interceptions his last year in playing part of a year. So you can't say the dude stinks. But he didn't have that profile in terms of being on a – if he had done it on a playoff team, he would still have a job right now. It's just the fact that he did it and he did not still – and the play didn't seem to support people's willingness to just overlook it. So if Taylor Heineke, if he comes out and balls and he turns out to be the starting quarterback – People will get over it. They'll be like, ah, well, you know, he was just talking. We'll ignore that. And and truthfully, there are times in sports and there are times in life where when you have beliefs that may either be on the fringe or something else, sometimes you just got to be like, nah, I'm going to chill on this. I'm not going to talk about this publicly as much as you may want to because you understand what either the backlash or what the situation is. Um, yeah, and you, you gotta, you got, and you, if you're a quarterback, you gotta. I mean, if you just if you're an athlete, just understand we can see your favorites. I, I covered college football recruiting for the longest time. I've seen people's scholarship offers get dropped because you go to the athletes' favorites tab, and it's just like twenty five hardcore porn tweets in a row. <laughs> Or, you know, with the, you got um, a couple of former Pac-12 quarterbacks that, that uh, I follow on social media who are super into, like, weird QAnon stuff. You got a current Pac-12 quarterback who favorites every single thing that Charlie Kirk puts out there. You, you got to know that people look for these things and they look for reasons to be upset. And if you don't want unnecessary drama, then it's okay to just scroll past something that you agree with and, and internally nod at it. You know, don't let something become an issue before it becomes an issue. Right. Yeah. yeah because I, people are looking at the things you put on social media as endorsements. And, and honestly, like people are people annoyed with conservatives right now, something about the Capitol getting stormed. And so, you know, it's not it's just not a really good time to be really publicly vocal with those politics, even though you have to recognize that if half the country thinks one way and half the country thinks another way, why wouldn't professional sports be filled with people who think both of those ways? Yeah, well, well, some. Well, yes, but the the percentages are kind of different because of the the demographic as well. And you even had Cumulus, who's the second biggest uh, radio uh, company say if anybody talks about a fraudulent election they they were talking about mark uh mark levin and any of their top hosts like top top hosts they were like you will be fired immediately they came out and said that in, in a internal memo that got leaked out they're like yo we're we're not doing this you're trying to to divide the company your country you're being a grifter so that leads us to donald trump getting deplatformed he got banned from everything, dude. He got banned from everything, including Pinterest. How the hell do you get banned from Pinterest? So the question is, are you okay with Trump being deplatformed? And do you think it's the best thing for the country? Do you think that this was the best thing for the country? Worst thing for the country? What? I'm a naturally anxious person. I always wonder about what's behind door number two. Um, and so when 
Twitter made the decision to suspend Donald Trump's account permanently based off of him saying that he wasn't going to the inauguration, which could be taken by some of his supporters as a free target. Right. Um, I got I got really worried. I got really worried. And I even put it out there that, like, what are the unknown unknowns, which is that Donald Rumsfeld quote, you know, when they were talking about how to examine um, what possibilities uh, would come out of every decision that they made post 9-11. What are the unknown unknowns? Right. We don't know what's going to come out of this. We didn't know if deplatforming the president from all of these different things was actually going to galvanize his supporters that believe that they are being censored to say this is finally the concrete evidence that we've been looking for. Now we're not just at war with the United States Congress. We're at war with big tech. And I think that yeah, that was the like, thing that's that made the, me most nervous. But that's the thing that doesn't make any sense it, is that they're like big tech censoring the big tech. Trump wouldn't have gotten elected if it weren't for Twitter and Facebook. He would not have gotten yeah. elected. So the idea that big tech is just doing something like that. I've had so many. I lost so many followers in the last couple of days. So did so did so did I. Is it <laughs> are, are, are they discriminating? Oh, wait, never mind. It's because I'm black. They 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 took away black <laughs> people's followers. So that has to be it. Right. Or or. OK, I, can I. I so you brought up the weight. follower thing. <laughs> you brought up the follower thing. I want to read you a Jake Tapper tweet that I don't know how to feel about. I want you to tell me how I okay. feel about this because it's got 552,000 likes on it. Jake Tapper said, I would tell you how many followers I have lost, but I have no idea how many I had before because I'm an adult. <laughs> Dude. I don't know how to feel about that tweet, man. He knows. He knows. He, well, I, I think a you have a general idea. They probably have daily meetings on ratings. Yes, you know how to count. Yes, you do. I think you have an approximate idea, but not like down to the thousand. You know what I mean? Like if you're a person that has, you know, 868,000 followers, you're not like, oh my God, I have 862,000 followers today. You're like, you're not going to notice that unless you are paying attention, unless it matters that much to you. And it shouldn't because... I've lost 10,000 followers b b before in a day where like Twitter purges like uh, like inactive accounts, bot accounts, like yeah. wh whatever. Like I've done it's happened. So I don't look at it like some conspiracy against me because the reality is if you make yeah. interesting content, people will find it. And and this yeah. idea that free speech is being silenced, free speech, it, our First Amendment right to free speech that's the government stopping free speech but also like companies are allowed to decide what they want on their platform and and remember like they facebook twitter they've been brought in front of the senate and congress to talk about regulation and the things that they allow on their platform and now they're actually doing it and now pe people like repeal Section 230. If you repeal Section 230, that means that companies can't be held liable for things that people post on the Internet. That means that you can't post anything on the Internet. That means that they're going to moderate it even more. Like it, it's it, it's insane. Yeah. I don't like censorship. I don't I mean, I don't think m most people don't like censorship 
and then they'll they'll make exceptions for stuff that they don't like that they that they don't want to see anymore. Um, so I but I don't like the idea of censorship. However, I'm not a child, so <laughs> I'm now I'm talking like Jake Tapper. I'm not a child, so I understand that the First Amendment doesn't apply to another thing that I really enjoy, the free market economy, yeah. right? So to me, Twitter is no different than a Subway or a Walmart or a McDonald's. When they have the right to tell you when they're going to open their doors, they have the right to kick you out. If no you shoes, buy a no Big shoes, Mac. no service. Right. If you buy a Big Mac from them and then you take the Big Mac and you open it and split it in two and just stick it on the wall and stand there and stare at them and then they kick you out, what do you say? What do you say? Because the thing that I keep hearing, so so let's say that that was Donald Trump. He walks into McDonald's, he orders a Big Mac, he takes the Big Mac, and he just rubs it all over the walls, and then he just stands there until somebody does something about it. They say, you have to leave this McDonald's. And then they usher Donald Trump out of McDonald's, and the person in line next to you turns to you and says, if they can do that to Donald Trump, they could do that to any of us. And I'm just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yes, they could do that to any of us. Yes, if we do that exact same thing. Nobody ever finishes that sentence. Hey, if we yell fire in a crowded theater, we could also get in trouble. Like, the answer is yes. And one of the things that, that um, and, and also, that is not saying that Twitter is perfect or that they do anything no, uh, and, and perfectly they or that there's not consistent. legitimate criticisms. Yeah, and they're Yeah, somebody to be started an account. Consist- Somebody started an account where all they did was tweet Donald Trump's tweets, the exact same tweets. And then they had a network of people who would report the tweets. And that account got suspended four different times for tweeting the president's tweets. So if the president didn't get suspended until now, but you could get suspended for tweeting the exact things the president was tweeting before that, then the double standard already existed that the president was largely breaking the terms of service and then it was being excused because he was the president of the United States. I, I'm, I'm ready to have the debate. If people genuinely believe that this is an attack on the First Amendment, I'm ready to have the debate of whether or not social media is a human right. And if social media is a human right, then there needs to be some sort of government-funded social media platform that the oh, only uh, thing that you have to adhere to is the Constitution. Ew, right, it sounds gross. Ew, it doesn't sound like fun. Ew. It sounds like the public library, right? Yeah. Right, that's what a library is, right? So I'm asking you if the government should fund its own version of social media that you can go on there, talk politics, and the only terms of service is are you adhering to the Constitution? Because that's the only way we're going to be able to have this conversation about whether or not kicking somebody off social media is a First Amendment issue is if it involves government funding well, and government okay. punishment. Okay. okay, so they're like, fine, I wanted to leave Twitter. I'm going to go over to Parler. And then Apple, Google are like, nah, nah, plat- Parler's done, bro. So I... Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know how I feel about I, that either. I, I thought that that was more funny than anything because they because they were like, listen, no, we're we're just gonna cut your megaphone off. And truthfully, what the tech companies did is they just said, this is our network: AWS, Amazon yeah. Web Web Services, uh, Google, um, Apple. These are our platforms. Here are the things that we allow. Here are the things we don't allow on our platform. So if you are going to allow these things on your platform, on our platform. That don't work. 
we our, yeah. our our family has an has an Amazon business. We're a third party. We're not. We don't work for Amazon. Any of that. But if we do certain things, Amazon can be like, eh, eh. nah, nah. You know yeah. that big contract is gone. So even though we don't work for them, we work with them. It's still under their watch and their pur- purview, and you have to understand that. Yeah, I. Here's what's interesting to me. One man. One man seems to have brought down the president, his entire social media presence, his entire ability to fundraise, his entire audience. One man, and I'm not talking about the man who did it, and one man seems to also be responsible for bringing down parlors single-handedly. And it's a lawyer out of Georgia named Lynn Wood, who was previously most known for his defense uh, of the original accused Centennial Park bomber, a uh, bomber, 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 I believe. <laughs> and Lynn Wood got super into QAnon, and everybody who wants to believe that there was a conspiracy to steal the election was retweeting his tweets. And he found a way to get in the president's ear, and his co-counsel, uh, um, Sidney Powell, was able to meet with the president repeatedly. The president started repeating the stuff that Lynn Wood was saying, and then Lynn Wood called for the execution of Mike Pence, which the people who were marching and storming the halls of the U.S. Capitol were repeating Lynn Wood's directions about killing the vice president. Um, and then Lynn Wood got banned from Twitter, went over to Parler, again said that it was time to execute Mike Pence. Yes! firing squad. And then Parler gets taken off of everything. How is this not that one dude's fault? It's He's Lynn also the Wood's guy who said... Fault. He's also, Lynn Wood is also the guy that said, don't vote for David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler unless they prove it's to you. Yeah. Yeah, unless they prove to you that they're behind Trump's attempt to get the uh, uh, election reinstated for conservatives. So he might have lost two Senate seats, Donald Trump's <laughs> Twitter account, and all of Parler uh, by himself. He's the oh most influential man in America right now in a bad way. That is absolutely right, dude. Hey, the blame needs to be placed at the right people's feet. It does. Um, Hey, guys, uh, thank you guys for listening to Reister or Wrong with my man, Ralph Amson. We appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy. Thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe. Tell a friend about the podcast and, you know, tweet it to them, whatever. Make sure it continues to grow. We have some big news in the works. So excited. Uh, Catch you guys on Wednesday.